Hello friends, welcome and welcome back to the Connected Divergence podcast. I'm Tina Etheridge, I'm a radical ADHD and ADHD acceptance coach. And today on this podcast, we're going to be talking about eating and ADHD. And more specifically, I'm going to be talking about intuitive eating and how it helped me with all of my eating struggles around ADHD before I even knew that I had ADHD. So to give you some brief history and context, I have struggled with restrictive eating, obsessive thoughts around food, um, binge eating, eating disorders for as far back as I can really remember, like at least 10 years old, maybe earlier, but definitely negative body image way, way earlier, which kind of morphed into some disordered eating, um, which then morphed into eating disorders. And There were so many factors to this, right? Cultural, societal, structural, systemic factors like, I mean, growing up in the 90s and having a mother who was, you know, always making very negative comments about her body, um, always trying to lose weight, always being on a diet. And I grew up seeing that. And then I also grew up in a society that just had a lot of fat phobia and a lot of really... um, disdain towards being in a bigger body. And surprise, I very much internalized that. But interestingly, on top of all of this, I also had the experience of having ADHD and not knowing that I had ADHD. And that experience for me, I know this now, I didn't know it then, but food for me was a sensory stim. Food for me was a way of stimming, right? There's you know, auditory stimming, you might listen to music, there's visual stimming, you might like looking at um, those, you remember like back in the day, there was like those music player um, applications on your computer and like you'd play a song and there'd be this like very freaky, psychedelic, like visual, cloudy smoke colors um, going through, like as you played the song, it was exactly like that, right? Like that, that can be visual stimming. And of course, there's olfactory stimming of like loving candles and scents and smells and perfumes and good smelling soap. But another stim, of course, and there's so many more, I'm not, I haven't covered all of them, but another stim, of course, is with our taste buds. And for me, I got so much dopamine from food. I used food as comfort and it was a highly accessible, readily available source of comfort for me. I would get home from school feeling completely drained, exhausted, just done. And the first thing I would want to do is I would want to eat. I want to eat and go watch TV and have people leave me the hell alone. Nobody talk to me because I needed to decompress from being on and masking all day long. And I will never forget the moment when I must have been maybe 12 years old and I had gone to my pediatrician And I told her that I was concerned about my weight, which, you know, I was more, I was concerned that I was binge eating, right? I was at that point, I was binge eating um, because I was so stressed out about school. And she told me that I needed to stop eating fruit because fruit has a lot of sugar in it. And the cinnamon raisin bread and cream cheese that I was eating was also bad for me. And I needed to stop eating that. 
So of course, I have this experience of going to a medical professional and feeling a lot of shame, not not getting the support and understanding that I really needed. Like what kind of pediatrician tells people that fruit is bad for you? Anyway, so what ended up progressing for me was the more I, you know, kind of, you know, I was stressed about school. I had a lot of pressure on me for my parents about doing well in school, especially my mom. And the more I felt that pressure to keep up, to perform, to mask, to please my teachers and please my parents and everything else, the more I was eating. And I ended up having a lot of binge eating. And when I would experience binge eating, I would try I would try to control it. I would try to fix it. I would try to, you know, have discipline and willpower and just like rein myself in. And it just sort of spiraled to being more and more and more, right? And then I became concerned about my weight. And, you know, I had gained weight because I was trying so hard to stop binging um, and that those restrictive thoughts just made me binge even more. And getting to the place where I remember I had this calendar on my wall, this, you know, like monthly calendar. And every day I would tell myself, okay, today's going to be the day. I'm not going to eat today. I'm not going to eat anything today or I'm going to eat well today. I'm going to eat healthy today. And every single day I would quote unquote fail and lose my quote unquote resolve. And I would draw a red X on the calendar to mark my sign of failure. And I would tell myself, okay, tomorrow, tomorrow's going to be the day. Tomorrow I'm going to get it right. And every single day, it was more of the same, right? It was shame. It was self-punishment. It was self-loathing. I would, you know, kind of put out these clothes that I used to fit into as these sort of symbols of reminding myself of, you know, who I should be and the clothes that I should be fitting in. And it was such a horrible time in my life. And the more, again, the more that I tried to fix it or, you know, I got the calorie counting apps, I tried to diet the more I tried to get a rein on it, the worse my binging and my eating disorders became. The binging got worse. I, you know, started to have like some bulimic tendencies. It got really, really bad. But the interesting thing for me, and I recognize this at the time, this was a thought that I had at the time, but it took a long time for me to like really nail it in. The times in my life that I wouldn't think about food, I wouldn't think about dieting, I wouldn't think about you know, losing weight or trying to exercise to lose weight or anything else, those were the times in my life that I didn't really have any issues with my weight. I didn't even have any challenges. Like it wasn't, it was, you know, my weight wouldn't go up and up and up and up and up. (laughs) And I wouldn't be in these like terrorized panic spirals. And, and, um, you know, the reason for that was because I wasn't stressed out, right? I wasn't inducing chronic stress on my body by thinking and obsessing about food and food restriction all day long. And so eventually in my life, I got to a point where I sort of like recognized that, like, wow, the times that I don't try to go on a diet, like I don't end up binge eating. Um, but it didn't really click for me. Like I kind of had awareness around it, but it wasn't logical. It didn't make sense. I didn't have the frameworks or just the foundational knowledge and understanding for me to grasp onto like, okay, this is why this is happening. And so I didn't really fully buy into it. And of course I experienced a lot more stress and a lot more eating. And so like when I would, when I would be stressed out in my life, I would eat more 
and being stressed out and then eating more is what would always trigger me to be like, oh my gosh, I have to go on a diet. I have to get this under control. I have to, you know, figure my shit out. So the major points of stress in my life, you know, my mom's passing, uh, going through college and especially one semester in particular where I took like three really difficult classes that took a lot of energy, time, attention. Those were times in my life when I was super stressed out, I was eating a lot, and I also really tried to rein in and restrict the eating, and so it just spiraled to be even more. So that brings us to 2019, 2020. I can't remember when, maybe 2020, because it was probably during the pandemic, but I, my brain has, a, you know, additionally with all of this, my brain has a tendency a predisposition, shall we say, to hyperfixate on exercising, um, hyperfixate on the data, the metrics, right? Like I would buy a Fitbit watch and I would get obsessed about the numbers. Oh, I have to hit my 10,000 steps every day. My all or nothing thinking, my optimization thinking would, would come into play. And I would always think to myself, okay, you know, all or nothing. How can I, what is most optimal? Which is, what is most ideal? What is, you know, the perfect outcome? And my brain would kind of get into a hyperfixation spiral and um, do a lot of researching on exercise. And so in 2020, um, I, it started off with just me being hyperfixated on exercising. That was it. Like, oh, I want to have fitness. Um, I think it was actually I bought a Fitbit. That's probably actually literally what it was. And I told myself, I just want to hit 10,000 steps a day and that's it. And then that became oh, well, I want to um, hit 10,000 steps and I want to work out. I'm going to start to do a strength training program. And then it became, okay, I want to hit 10,000 steps, do this strength training program and work out for two hours, you know, six times a week. And then it became, well, if I'm going to do this, I may as well, most optimally, optimally I may as well try to um, lose weight. And so then it became like a goal of like, okay, here's the number on the scale that I'm trying to hit. And if I'm going to do that, then I should count my calories. And then it became, oh, well, if I want to count my calories, I should try to restrict my calories. And I shouldn't just restrict this many calories. I should do restrict even more calories because that's going to get me to my goal weight even faster. And so it was a whole spiral for me. Um, and I got to the point where, so... I mean, I was like on the couch, exhausted, just fatigued, the most fatigue I've experienced in my life, sleeping all day long because I literally wasn't giving my body enough calories for the amount of energy I was expending. But I got to my goal weight. I got to that goal weight that I dreamed of myself for myself since high school. Like, oh, oh, if only I get to this weight, this number, then I'll be happy, then I'll like my body, then I'll feel beautiful, then I'll feel worthy, desirable. And you know what, folks? I got to that number on the scale, stepped on the scale, looked in the mirror, and I still hated what I saw in the mirror. And that was a moment when I realized, oh my God, this has nothing to do with a number. This has absolutely nothing to do with a number and I, you know, I thought it did. I really thought like, oh, if I could just get to this number, then I'll be happy. But I freaking got to that number and I still hated what I saw. And I still saw, oh, you know, maybe I should lose even, you know, I was already thinking maybe I should lose even more weight or maybe I need to be building more muscle or this or that or this or that and cellulite here and, and stretch marks there and everything else and, you know, fat here. 
And I, I realized this has nothing to do with the number. This has everything to do with my relationship to my body. Like it is all inside my brain. My relationship that I have to my body, to myself, my relationship that I have with food. And so right around this time, you know, I had this realization. Um, I was so exhausted. My body was, I was literally starving. And so surprise, I ended up binging. I was trying not to binge. I was trying to do like a reverse diet, but I was just so hungry that I couldn't control myself. And of course I couldn't control myself. I was starving myself. My body needed food and calories. And I am eternally grateful to the universe because right at this time, this critical, critical nexus for myself, the universe brought me the concept and the resources of intuitive eating. And so kind of like right at this moment when I was like binging because I was starving and, you know, I'd usually kind of go through the cycle of being like, oh my gosh, this is so bad. I'm going to, you know, gain so much weight and this is so horrible. And I've, you know, I failed and everything else. I was introduced to intuitive eating and I, I don't remember what the first thing I read was, like the first resource I read was, but I knew as soon as I read it, I was like, oh my freaking God, I've never heard of this before. This is an entirely new, unfamiliar concept to me, but it was the wisdom that my brain knew to be true without knowing it. Like it was, I don't know how to describe it other than that, but like, you know, when you you read something or you learn something about the world or life or something that you just, you read it and you're like, oh my gosh, yep, that clicks, that checks out, that tracks, that makes sense. It was that kind of moment of being like, I had no idea this was something that exists, but this aligns, this feels congruent. This is the the wisdom that I know to be true being reflected back at me. And so I ran with it and I devoured, you know, that was my next hyperfixation, of course. I devoured every single intuitive eating and anti-dieting resource that I could get my hands on. Because for me, it felt like freedom and liberation and truth. And it just felt like this was exactly what I needed. Mind you, I had no idea I had ADHD at this time. Remember that. (laughs) That's key. So as I learned about intuitive eating and kind of began implementing the practices of anti-dieting and intuitive eating... I found massive transformation for myself with my relationship to my body and my relationship to food and eating. And I can say I have not had any challenges with restrictive eating, binge eating, bulimia since I learned about intuitive eating. So it has truly changed my life. It was the best thing that happened to me, at least in the year of 2020. It was truly, it was truly something that changed my life and changed my relationship to myself and something that I had struggled with for years and years and years. And so now I kind of want to bring in the elements of ADHD because again, I didn't know it back then. I had no idea that I had ADHD, but I do now. And looking back, a lot of it makes a lot more sense. So having ADHD, ADHD, like this food is dopamine, right? Food is dopamine. Food is stimming. Food is comfort because we're, you know, it's an easy, highly accessible, you know, brain chemical that we can get this sort of like satisfaction and pleasure from eating yummy foods. But that gets expounded when we are also introduced with restrictive behaviors and, you know, culturally, um, 
culturally normalized restriction. I mean, we've been told our whole lives we need to have more discipline. We just need to be disciplined. We need to have more willpower. Just do it. Just get it done. And here we are again when it comes to food. Just stop. Just don't eat it. Just go on a diet. It's the same thing being played over again in this other facet of life. And so I'm going to share with you how my brain is wired and you may or may not resonate with it, but here's what it was like for me. When I would restrict my food, you know, trying to go on a diet saying, you know, I can only have this many calories or saying I can only eat these certain food groups. Again, my all or nothing thinking comes into play. My optimization thinking comes in full force. And what ends up happening is by restricting food, certain foods, right? The bad food, quote unquote, bad foods, the quote unquote off limit foods, they then become precious and sacred and they get put up on a pedestal, right? Oh, this is special. This is something that we're not supposed to have. This is something that we shouldn't have. This is something that's bad to have. And guess what happens when we do that, especially having ADHD, especially being neurodivergent, what happens? Our brain is going to rebel against that, right? We say, ooh, this is special and you can't have it. Our brain's gonna be like, oh my gosh, I have to have this. I want it even more now. So by putting certain foods on this pedestal or restricting foods or saying we shouldn't have these foods, it inherently makes them high dopamine rewards for our brain. So like that dopamine button, you hit the dopamine button and we get way more from it. And so for me, what ends up happening with intuitively eating and anti-dieting is there are no super special foods. There are no foods that are off limits. There is nothing it's like, it's like abundance mindset over a scarcity mindset, right? Those, you know, what are they called? The, the white pink frosted sugar cookies at Kroger with the little sprinkles on them. Like those were my, (laughs) those were my sacred food. They were on that pedestal. They were like special. I can't have these. These are so bad for me. And I would eat them all the time. And then I would beat myself up for eating them. And yet when I practiced anti-dieting, And I said to myself, okay, Tina, you can have these cookies whenever you want them. You can have as many as you want. They are always going to be available to you. They are always going to be in the house. What ended up happening was, yes, at first it'd be like, oh my God, what? This is in the house? I'm going to eat the whole box and feel so sick because it was so much sugar. And then, you know, eat half the box and do that for a while. And then I get to the point where I was like, you know what? I'm just going to have like maybe four cookies and then maybe two cookies, and then maybe one cookie. And now I literally walk past those pink frosted sugar cookies in the grocery store every time I go. And I'm like, you know what? I'm good. And it wasn't because I overate them. It was because my brain finally learned that I can have this whenever I want, as much as I want it. And so it got lowered from the pedestal. It's not sparkly and shiny anymore. It's just food. It's just food. And now I feel that way about all foods. I have Sour Patch Kids in my cabinet right this second. And I have had them in my cabinet for over a month now because I have learned, right, okay, I can have as much of this as I want whenever I want it. Like if I run out of it, I will go to the grocery store and buy more. Like that level of nervous system safety around food has now allowed me to 
get more intuitive with my eating. And so I will eat things like this and these cookies and everything else. And I'll hit a point where I feel like, you know what? I'm good. You know what? I've had enough. Um, you know what? I'm satiated. I'm full. I'm satisfied. And be able to put them back because that's what feels like I want to do rather than feeling like, oh my gosh, here's this special thing that it's bad for me that I shouldn't be having. And again, having that be a high dopamine reward and ending up binging. So what I'm here to say is intuitive eating and anti-dieting, if you have ADHD, if you are neurodivergent and you have struggled with disordered eating or restrictive food behaviors, you know, um, for me, has been a wonderful, a wonderful, wonderful thing, an incredible resource, something that I never knew about. And if if you've experienced this too, this might be something worth learning more about, worth exploring, worth researching. Do your own research. Um, I will happily offer some resources in the show notes for my favorite books. You know, actually my two favorite books I'll tell you right now. The first one is The Anti-Diet by Christy Harrison. And this book is filled with a lot of um, like science papers and journal articles and things like that, which my science brain absolutely loved. And the other one was, um, oh, I'm gonna have to look it up later. But it was another book that was a little bit more conversational, a little bit more appealing to the emotional, um, the human, the, the, the familiar side of it. I'm not sure what the right word is there, but and that book was really helpful for my brain as well. And then, of course, there are so many um, intuitive eating and anti-diet dietitians and nutritionists and people on Instagram and following them has been super helpful along with following. Again, I think it's really important for the changes that we want to make in our lives. It's really important to curate our environment, right? So if we're trying to make a change, having the same environment or looking at the same <laughs> the same Instagram posts of, you know, the people that have this old mindset or this old um, neural network that we've been exposed to and have been practicing and habituating, that's less helpful when we want to make a brain change. When we want to make a brain change, we want to expose ourselves as much as possible to resources and insights and people who carry this new mindset and this new neural network that we want to develop, that we want to practice, that we want to reinforce and habituate. So following um, body positive, fat positive accounts, following, um, you know, people who are practicing body neutrality or are, you know, um, anti-fat phobia, like that can all be super, super helpful. And then one more experience that I want to add to this because I do think it's relevant was my experience around food when I first started my ADHD medication, my stimulant medication. Adderall extended release. So for me, my stimulant medication, a hundred, a hundred thousand percent helped me around, um, or it did feel like it was helpful around kind of making more, more food choices based on like practicality rather than dopamine. So this is something that I feel like I'd already figured out pretty solidly because I'd been practicing anti-dieting and intuitive eating for so long. Um, But when I first did get stimulant medication, it just felt like even easier to do, to kind of make those choices around food, those intuitive choices around food. 
Um, so that was just kind of like more reinforcement of like, yep, makes sense. And interestingly, side note, but interestingly, like Vyvanse is um, a stimulant medication that's like the FDA prescribes it for people with binge eating disorder. Like, huh, isn't that kind of interesting? I had binge eating disorder. Uh, wonder why. <laughs> that being said, for me, um, I eventually got to the point as my stimulant medication dose increased where I experienced loss of appetite as a side effect. Um, and so I would just literally not feel hungry, like not have any desire to eat food. Like the idea of eating food was just so unappealing to me for hours until my medication wore off. And then after my medication wore off, I would be really hungry. So I would eat a lot, but I never considered that binging. It wasn't binging in my eyes because I was just eating the amount of food that my body like needed for the day, <laughs> just all in one, all in one sitting for the most part. So it didn't feel like binging. It, it wasn't binging. And I look back and I, I think that that, that sort of mindset and perspective really reframes a lot of moments for me when I was basically starving myself and then I'd binge. But the difference there was like those binges when I was restricting food were like uncontrollable, like could not stop eating to the point of being so sick and just like shoveling more and more and more food into my my mouth and just being like unable to stop versus, you know, when I would eat food after my stimulant would wear off, I would eat a lot of food, but I would still hit a point where I felt satiated and I would still hit a point where I'd be like, cool, yep, okay, I feel good. So it was different. And I don't want to speak too much about this because I'm not a qualified nutritionist or dietitian, and I would much rather point you to those resources for you to learn about them. But my basic, basic, most basic process for intuitive eating, um, and I wouldn't, again, I wouldn't recommend you do this without doing your own research, but for me, it was giving myself permission to eat the foods that I wanted, that I craved, as much of them as I wanted for as long as I needed to. No food was off the table. I had full permission to eat. And in doing so, it created nervous system safety in my body around food. And it taught me that like, okay, like I'm not, it wasn't that necessarily I was um, physically starving, but it was like mentally I was starving. Mentally I was restricting. Mentally I was, you know, putting foods that were off limits. And by making no foods off limits and honoring my cravings and letting myself eat the food that was, you know, I was quote unquote not supposed to eat. That is what really healed my relationship with food and got me to a place of, I mean, I, I would use the word food freedom because that's what it feels like. Um, I don't, <laughs> it used to be that I would think all day long about food and I would obsess over food and I would just dream and imagine like, what am I going to eat? And now food is such a small part of my daily thinking. Um, it's just, it's just a very, it's just like, I, I don't know if I would use the word normal, but it just feels very peaceful and it feels very calm. So I wanted to share this experience with you. I will share more about this in the future. I would say now where I am now, my sort of like relationship with food has changed even more since then, but this was a really critical part of my journey even before I knew I had ADHD, but knowing I have ADHD made so much more sense. So I will share some resources with you in the show notes if you are interested in learning more. 
Thank you guys so much for listening. I hope this episode was helpful and I will see you guys next week. Take care. Bye.